I think my dilithium needs recrystallization. This is Trex in Sci-Fi. Greetings, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to Trex in Sci-Fi. This is podcast number 314 for January the 16th, 2011. Gosh, I got all that correct, I think. <laughs> anyway, today is, uh, yeah, it's usual Sunday morning, doing some podcasting here, obviously. And today on the show, uh, for those who may not know yet, I know you, some of you do each week, and I announce it anyway, but uh, today we're going to look at uh, something a little different this week. Uh, I had this idea maybe about a month or two ago uh, about doing uh, selecting a year from the past and covering sort of the sci-fi and fantasy things that were around in that year, mostly obviously uh, things like movies and television shows. And that's what today is going to be about. Uh, we're going to look at the year 1983 in genre film and, and, and television shows and probably throw in some other things that are non-genre, like, you know, things that were going on during that year and music and, and other related, uh, you know, big things from 1983. And there, there was a lot. It's, it's a big year. A, a lot of interesting things happened then. And it's it's hard for me to believe, you know, even though it doesn't seem like it was that long ago to me, but how, how much certain things have changed in, in the world since then. And some things haven't changed very much. Anyway, that is the main topic uh, for this week. I thought it'd be kind of fun. We're going to do a few of those over the next uh, few months, and I have some listener comments to play as well. What we're going to do, I think to start with, uh, well... I think I'm just going to play a little intro. I was going to use another listener segment here at this point, but I think I'm going to save it till later in the show. And uh, we'll just do a sort of a normal intro here. And I'll be back uh, with more of Treks in Sci-Fi. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. All right, uh, I've got some uh, Gatorade today. I'm back to that a little bit kind of ran out of tea i need to go to the store later today and get some things so how's everybody doing out there i hope everyone's well uh, things are going pretty good for me here in good old rockford uh not much uh, has changed lately uh just kind of uh it works been kind of busy it, it, weekends are always nice although they always seem too short uh, even uh even here uh not uh you know just get through the usual stuff podcasting laundry you know exciting things like that What's been going on, though? I did see uh, a couple of recent uh, things, movie and TV shows, that I wanted to comment on here early in the podcast. One is, uh, and I talked about this on last week's show, I watched the premiere, I guess it's sort of one long pilot episode or, or two episodes back-to-back, -back, however it was, but of the new uh, superhero show, The Cape, on NBC that started, uh, it, sh it aired that um, 
two-hour uh, premiere last Sunday, and I think they repeated on Monday again. I watched it on Sunday, and I enjoyed it. It's uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's obviously got a lot of comic book elements and and, and things about it. It's, you know, basically for those that don't know yet, and try to get you maybe a little interested to watch it. Uh, it is uh, it's a comic book related uh, TV series. It tells the tale basically of I think is the guy's name again is Vince Faraday. I think that's his, what his name is. Um, he starts off the when you first see the pilot. I'm not going to give away too much, but he's a uh, police officer. You can see trailers up on YouTube for the show, and I think I posted one on the main TrexinSciFi.com website up in the entertainment section there. Check that out. But he's a police officer, and there he ends up being sort of wrongly accused of a murder, and uh, and he has to sort of go underground to basically clear his name. And then he takes on this persona. There's a comic book that they uh, he reads to his son. He has a family, and he sort of has to leave them because of all these things that happen. And there's a comic book that he would read with his son called The Cape about this superhero that has a cape and a mask and goes around, you know, kind of the usual Batman-style vigilante uh, fighting crime. And he decides to sort of take on that persona because he doesn't want the world to, to know that he's still around, even during the time where he's trying to clear his name. Anyway, uh, the cast is really good. It has a genre favorite in it, Summer Glau, who was, of course, on Firefly and the Terminator TV series. She's in it. She's this sort of computer wizard who has some awesome vehicles. Who <laughs> We were talking on the on the forums, on the Trex and Sci-Fi forums, about, you know, a little bit about where does she get all the money for all this gear that she uses in these expensive cars she drives around where... There's some theories out there on that uh, possibility, or at least there's some guesses uh, that we were talking about. But this is a fun show. It's, you know, since Heroes on NBC isn't around anymore, I think this was sort of their replacement show for that. You know, it's about a superhero. He doesn't really have any superpowers. He has this cape, though, that allows him to do certain things uh, in a way. It's not like it's really magical. It's all he goes through a sort of a training period like they always do in these things in the first episode in the pilot and it's good i like it uh you know it's got the comic book stuff going on the, the, he has bad guys to fight that are sort of larger than life they're not just bank robbers or, or whatever they've got certain abilities and that and he has to sort of combat them and we haven't learned that much yet in the first bit of it it is going to be airing regularly on nbc on monday night so we'll get another episode tomorrow and i think it's basically i think it's taking the place right now in the schedule of that other tv show that i gave up on kind of called the event on nbc so i think it is 9 p.m eastern time 8 central for those of us in central time (laughs) I don't ever understood really why they do that. You know, why why isn't it just nine o'clock uh, nine o'clock across the uh, across the country? You, you know what I mean? Nine o'clock wherever your time zone is, it's just on at nine o'clock. Why why do they do that? Does anyone out there know that? Well, you know, on the West Coast it's the same, and I think Mountain Time it's still the same. But Central though, oh gosh, no, it's an hour earlier. Why why is that? I don't know. Anyway, this is a fun show. I think you should uh, give it a shot. If you listen to this podcast, I think. Uh, Just that in itself would probably mean you you might want to give this show a try. 
I also watched uh, a movie that uh, a friend at work had told me about that he said was pretty good called Pandorum. I watched that last night on Netflix streaming. Ah, you got to love Netflix. Anyway, this is a, is a pretty cool movie. It's pretty violent, though, I'll warn you. It's rated R. There's a lot of action and violence in it. Basically, it is the story of there's this ship that is traveling uh, away from Earth. It's, it's set supposedly like a couple hundred years in the fu- couple hundred years in the future when Earth's population and resources, population has grown so large and the resources have dwindled so much that they send out this, this deep space mission with all, all these people aboard to try to, f- uh, they have discovered this Earth-like planet uh, fairly nearby. And uh, the movie stars Dennis Quaid, other people that you probably don't really know that haven't had a lot. There's a guy named Ben Foster in it who's done a few movies that I've seen him in, uh, a few other uh, people, but not a huge cast. But it's a it's a pretty cool movie, and uh, there's some pretty nasty things and strange things that go on in this ship. I don't want to say too much. Uh, but I, I found at the end of it, it's maybe an hour, 45-minute movie. I, I liked it. it. It's it's pretty intense, and it has a sort of an alien vibe to it to a degree. Uh, a lot, Lots of uh, inter- interesting stuff. I, I thought um, eh, it could have been a little bit better, perhaps. It, it's not a, a great movie or anything like that, but it, it was certainly worth watching on a Saturday night on Netflix for me. So uh, there's a couple things there for you to uh to think about seeing and watching and I will I'm going to take a very short break here I'm going to come back hit a little bit more on some sci-fi and trek information and news and then we'll get into the 1983 uh, retro uh, podcast <laughs> hi this is Kenny and this is Jenny we're the host of Knights of the Guild the official fan podcast for the award-winning web series the Guild we're not like your typical fan podcasts. Both Ginny and I have worked on several seasons of The Guild and take our listeners behind the scenes to share our fun and crazy times on set. We also have exclusive interviews with cast, crew, and fans of The Guild. We keep you up to date on General Guild news and the latest happenings of our cast and crew. So please give us a listen on iTunes or at knightsoftheguild.com. Okay, finally we've got a, a, a little bit of information, nothing, nothing dramatic or, or huge about the, the Star Trek movie that is due out uh, at the end of June in, in 2012, which isn't really that far away now, about a year and a half away. This, it's due, due out June 29th, uh, 2012. I also found out the Spider-Man reboot movie is due out July 3rd, 2012, just a few days after the new Star Trek movie will come out. Which is is a little di- disappointing in a way for me. I, I think that's not a great situation for the Trek movie. Not that I think it's going to hurt it that much, but you know you've got two huge genre type movies. Why why, why put them that close together? Less than a week apart, they're going to release these things. I don't know. Anyway, there is uh, some J.J. Abrams uh, comments. He's got some different projects going on, and he has commented a little bit about the the upcoming movie. Uh, and I'm just going to read some of this. This is over uh, up on the trekmovie.com website. Uh, he's talking a little bit about Fringe, and he's been doing some interviews on, on the next half of the season that's coming up. Uh, here, here's a comment re- regarding whether he's going to, J.J. is going to direct this next movie. He says, uh, J.J. says, I guess the idea of not wanting to choose to direct a film for which I've not read the script yet, it's a tough decision to make without seeing any pages. It's not to say that I don't have all the faith in the world in the spectacular writers, Damon Lindelof and Bob Orsi and Alex Kurtman, Kurtzman sorry, are awesome. My hope is that they'll write the script, it'll be great, and we can make a fun, exciting uh, sequel to Star Trek. 
And uh, here's... <laughs> Why can I not get through a podcast without discussing this subject anymore? Guess what? Paramount wants them to... Wants J.J. to do this movie, Star Trek, in 3D. Oh, there's a surprise. <laughs> but, and here's a big but, I'm not so sure it's going to happen. Because J.J., and I'm going to read a few comments here about his comments regarding this idea. Uh... JJ says, I have nothing against 3D in theory, but I've also never run to the movies because something is in 3D. As for Trek, as soon as I read the script, if it says something like, somebody pushes a weapon towards the camera in a menacing way, and we think, well, that'd be better in 3D, I don't know. What do you want to see, 2D or 3D? And Abrams, he also noted that his style of directing uh, may not fit very well with 3D. Uh, JJ goes on to say here, I'm a big fan of wipe... uh, uh, of, sorry, I'm a big fan of whip pans, which uh, of course is when you know you you pan across. You remember this in the in the Star Trek movie and other stuff he does. You know the the camera pans across the screen really quickly, and he says this is very hard to do in 3D. You know, when I was in New York 15 years ago and sort of had the flu, I remember turning the TV on. There were these kids in a very dark, very muddy movie that was on a local channel talking about making out. Then you cut to them walking in the forest and somebody had a paddle ball and they were doing it right at the camera. And it was like weird experimental Fellini film. And I was like, what the bleep is in this movie? And it was Friday the 13th, part three in 3D. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, this uh, at Trek movie, they say it's a good point. Abrams style of shaky cam pan- pans, lens flares might have to be altered if, if they're adding this or putting this out in 3D. Anyway, uh, they go on also to say, this isn't J.J., this is Trish Trek movie. It's worth noting that Paramount also wanted the 2009 Star Trek movie to be in 3D. Abrams decided to stick with 2D because it felt this was a second feature, and he added 3D would be too much to deal with. So anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens with regards to the Trek movie and 3D. Uh, I... I think some of it will will come down to how 3D and how some of the 3D stuff that's coming out this year, by the time they get around to filming uh, Star Trek, the the sequel, you know, how some of this stuff is doing. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of these movies that are coming out, and I'm not going to, I've said my piece on, on, on the approach, but Green Hornet just came out, I want to see the movie, but uh, it is not, you know, it was up-converted for 3D, and I, I've read a couple of things, again, just like with Tron, a lot of people are saying it's not really necessary to see it in 3d so you know i would hope at least you know if they do decide to do trek the next one in 3d that they at least film it in 3d and not an up converted movie but uh, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens uh so there's some star trek information and news for you uh not not a lot else that i wanted to comment on but i wanted to get that out there i'm going to take one more break here and then we're going to get into uh because i'm going to need a lot of this podcast to cover uh what is uh we're going to be covering on the uh 1983 uh, year and to get us started i think now would be an appropriate time during this break I am going to play uh, earlier in the podcast instead of later. Rick Moyer sent in uh, a, a musical entry of to get us sort of in the mood for 1983. This, I believe, and I haven't had a, actually had a chance to listen to it. I'll listen to it right now with you as I play it. Uh, this is music from the year 1983, a little montage that Rick Moyer sent in with some comments. So thanks, Rick, and I'll be back after that with a look at uh, 1983 and movies and television. 
Hey, Rico, this is Rick Moyer, Moyer777 on the forums and uh, the host of Take Him With You. And I just got um, done redoing my parody site. You know, I do a lot of parodies for your show and thought everybody would enjoy a kind of a brand new site with a bunch of songs on it, a lot easier to navigate and do different things. So I've been working all weekend on that. So I thought I'd give it a little pitch here and tell you that it is at StarTrekParodies.com. That's StarTrekParodies.com. Go over there and take a look, download some songs, and give me an email. Let me know what you think. So I figured since I'm into music lately this weekend, why not review the top 10 songs of 1983? Wouldn't that be fun? So that's what I did. So here you go. You get the top 10 songs in a quick amount of fashion. (laughs) 1983 was quite a year in music, and I was a junior in high school. Here's the number one song, Men at Work, Down Under, and then the top ten right in a row. Who can forget Toto and Africa? Great song. This was Michael Jackson's heyday. He had a couple of top ten tunes. The first one is Billie Jean. Remember that song? Yeah. Wish I could have danced like him. Rico, I think you can dance like him. Here we go. Then who can forget Dexie's Midnight Runners? Remember this song? And then, of course, Michael Jackson back in the top ten with Beat It. I always liked Weird Al Yankovic's song, uh, Eat It. We haven't seen you around Burger World. Here's Michael Jackson from 1983. Ah, yes, 1983, the year of jean jacket vests and cassette tapes. I had all sorts of them, and especially this one by David Bowie called Let's Dance from 1983. Come on, Rico. Dance. Of course, along with all the popular music came the synthesizer and the cool 1983 keyboard sounds and songs like this, What a Feeling from Flashdance. This was one of the top ten. 
Yeah, Flashdance was cool, but you know, there was something about the rock band The Police that really was amazing. And I, I remember this being one of my very favorite songs in 1983. Every breath you take, I'll be watching you. <laughs> had these really cool sounds to them and there was no exception with the band the Eurythmics. They were amazing and this was a real popular song called Sweet Dreams. Sweet dreams are made of these Who am I to disagree I travel the world and the seven seas Everybody's looking for something Some of them want to use you Some of them want to So 1983 had a bunch of great music in it. I, it's very nostalgic for me because, like I said, I was a junior in high school, so music was very important to me at that point. It was amazing to me how uh, there were so many rich vocals and cool things in the music, and of course, that was uh, Patty Austin and James Ingram with Baby Come to Me. So there you go, a little look at the top 10 songs of 1983. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed that. Back to you, Rico. Have an awesome day. That was fantastic, Rick. Thanks so much for doing that and covering the music uh, from 1983. Uh, yeah, just some great music, great songs from that year. It's just kind of amazing to me. I think this mo- or this year in particular had a lot uh, going on and, and just... I hear all those songs. I actually play all those songs, you know, when I can. Uh, most of those, I, a, I love David Bowie, for example, especially, and Come On Eileen is, is awesome. And, and just all that police, uh, you know, and, and then the um, Down Under, and just it's just great stuff. I thought what I would do to start off with, uh, give you some background a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go over, I've, I've pulled up some stuff off the Internet and different things, but just to give us per, some perspective uh, get you in the bit of bit, bit <laughs> sorry, get you more uh, thinking about 1983. Now, I know a lot of people out there listening, we probably got, a, of course, a mix. There's some people that were maybe not even born uh, in 1983 yet or very young, and we've got people like me that were old enough to remember a lot of it and, and everything that was going on and everywhere in between. But uh, Here's a few things from 1983 that uh, may be a little surprising or interesting. Uh, let's see. There was quite a bit of unemployment in the United States, at least during that year. The average cost uh, of a new house in 1983, again, I think this is the U.S., is, was about 82000 The average income per year was about 21000 A Dodge Ram 50 truck cost only $5,665. Uh, the average gallon cost for uh, a gallon of gas in the United States was $1.25. Uh, what else we've got? Uh, uh, inflation rate for the U.S. was 3.2%. I don't want to go into too much of this, but just to give people some idea of what's going on. We also had the first successful space shuttle launch, the Challenger, in 1983. 
we also had a lot of technology things go on during that year. Motorola rolled out its first cell phone, which <laughs> the start of, can you believe that, 1983? Also, Microsoft Word was released for the first time. Lotus 1, 2, 3 was released, which I used to use quite a bit, actually. Swatch came out with their first watches. Uh, ARPANET officially changed it to the Internet Protocol, which created basically the Internet at that time, you know, WWW and all that. That started in 1983. So uh, I'd say there's a lot that happened during that year. And obviously... Uh, one of the big things and, and the thing that we're going to focus on are things in genre TV and movies here shortly. For me, 1983, the biggest thing, of course, that I always remember, and this will age and date me to a degree, but you guys are pretty aware of how old I am or whatever. I don't feel like I'm that old, but uh, uh, Lynn and I got married. My wife and I uh, tied the knots, got married in 1983. Uh, it was right after I got out of college, and that's when we got married. So this this year especially, and it's probably one of the reasons I picked 1983, besides the fact there's a lot of very cool stuff, that, uh, other things that happened in that year, besides that, uh, the fact that I got married, but it is something that I always, you know, it, when, it, when you think about the years in the past, and that year pops up into my head uh, first and foremost for, for that reason, I guess. So let's, uh, I thought what I would do, I want to break this up kind of into two parts, uh, and they're not going to be in any kind of chronological order. I'm not going to bother with that. Uh, but I'm going to do television first and then cover movies, mostly, of course, again, in the sci-fi and fantasy realm. But uh, the the reason I wanted to do it that way was I, I just thought it would be easier to follow a little bit. Although there actually is not a lot of television uh, in that era, unlike now where we get all kinds of, uh, you know, we have all kinds of networks, a lot more networks uh, than we used to have, and cable, you know, all that kind of stuff. Although there was cable television back in 1983. I even had it a little bit at the end of my time in college uh, when I lived in an apartment near the end of that era. But um, but yeah, 1983 for TV, uh, a few things. And what I'm going to do is is cover some things that both maybe first appeared in 1983, but a few couple TV series that uh, this wasn't the first year they were on, but it is uh, something because there weren't a lot of other brand new series that started up in that year. I thought we would cover a couple. And the first one is the TV series. I think this series started just the year before, so not too far back, but 1982, but it was still going pretty strong in 1983, and that is Knight Rider. Knight Rider, a shadowy flight into the dangerous world of a man who does not exist. Michael Knight, a young loner on a crusade to champion the cause of the innocent, the helpless, the powerless, in a world of criminals who operate above the law.
Ah, uh, yes, of course. David Hasselhoff's claim to fame and probably his, you know, most famous thing. And, you know, I, I love this show. I have to, I'll admit it. I, I loved a lot of the 80s kind of TV series like this. Uh, and, you know, the A-Team was on and it, it just, it, it just was a lot of fun. The car was awesome. Uh, the, the, the repartee between, you know, Kit and, and Michael Knight in the car was great. So a lot of fun, great show to watch. And, you know, a little dated now, maybe. All those times when Kit would jump over things and you'd hear that whoosh sound or whatever was always kind of corny and, and kind of a little hard to, you know, it's like, okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> Moving on, another TV series that I enjoyed from this time, which I think, again, also started a year or two before 83, but it was still going in 83, so we thought we'd mention it here, is one of my favorites from that era. I just loved this show, and it had a great theme song, too, by Joey Scarberry. Uh, it is uh, The Greatest American Hero. This, of course, was the, the story of uh, Ralph Hinckley, uh, who is a teacher, and he gets this super suit uh, from these aliens, but doesn't know quite how to use it. And he teams up with an FBI guy, uh, played by the late Robert Culp, uh, Bill Maxwell, and they basically catch bad guys. And it was tongue-in-cheek and a lot of fun. The special effects were not the most amazing. Connie Selica was on as a lawyer, Pam Davidson. Uh, this uh, show lasted for three seasons. It actually ended in 1983, early 1983, but I wanted to mention it. Uh, and it is out on DVD, so check it out. This also has a slight connection to the next TV series, or I should say miniseries, that uh, was aired in 1983 for the first time. This is the first time we were exposed to the visitors, to the V which is a very timely thing to talk about since there is the new TV series. Well, actually started last year. We've, we're getting the second season right now on ABC called V. But the connection here is actress Faye Grant. She was in The Greatest American Hero. She was one of Ralph's students. 
And then she went on to star in the V miniseries and then later the full TV series. And here's a little bit of a, a quick uh, promo for the miniseries, which was what uh, we first got to uh, see what these visitors were all about, uh, the V miniseries from 1983. Tonight is your chance to see how it all began, to relive the excitement that is V, the most extraordinary miniseries ever. A daring TV journalist struggling to uncover the startling truth behind the alien's visit to Earth. And a beautiful and brave young scientist fighting for the very survival of the human race. Together, they take you on a fantastic journey to meet the visitors. Prepare yourself for a television event that's out of this world. Prepare for V. Next. Yeah, so the, the V miniseries, this first aired in uh, the very beginning uh of 1983 and I think I may have goofed up earlier this was actually it was on uh, NBC the miniseries was and the I think the current new series is on ABC isn't it so that's interesting I didn't really I thought that they were for some reason they were both on the same network I don't know when that got changed I guess I guess it got changed with the new series anyway this miniseries by Kenneth Johnson developed by him starred Mark Singer Faye Grant like I mentioned Jane Badler uh, who was the the head V at the time Frank Ashmore Richard Hurd Michael Wright Robert Englund Andrew Pine Prine sorry uh, Richard Lawson uh, a bunch of others pretty big cast and in 1983 you know these these a big television event uh, thing like this was was a big deal it didn't happen like it does as much now and it was about 200 minutes long it was a two-part miniseries and this later was followed by v the the final battle uh i think is what it was called uh and then they went into a regular tv series i'll have to double check that in a second here but i thought it was pretty good at the time i enjoyed it uh i think i you know it wasn't one of my favorites of the time, and still even the current TV series isn't one really one of my favorites. I always have a little bit of trouble with alien invasion tales to a degree. It's it's, but it was fun, and and at the time the there wasn't a lot of sci-fi and or fantasy on. I, I've covered most of the others that I wanted to cover. I've got one other one to play here, and I I grabbed a little audio of it off the uh, the internet here in a minute, but I'll or earlier I should say. Anyway, V, though, has, um, you know, got new life with the new TV series, and I'm enjoying that, too. And uh, I thought what I would do, because I know he's a fan, uh, I thought I would play a comment from our friend in California, Kenny, now, and his comments about 1983. I thought this was an, be an appropriate time to slide that in. So, Kenny, take it away, and I will be back to cover a little bit more TV from the year 83, 1983, and then into the movies. Hey Rico, this is Kenny from California. I'm also the host of Knights of the Guild podcast. Excuse my voice, I'm actually not feeling so well and I'm a little congested. But I really wanted to get this uh, audio comment out to you for your 1983 podcast because that was such a fun year. Um, I was 12 to 13 and I have some great memories. I first wanted to start with TV. There were quite a few good uh, sci-fi-ish fantasy TV. But of course I want to talk about two that were huge favorites of mine, uh, the A-Team, which was a, a big favorite of mine. And, of course, we had MASH. We had the final episode airing in February of 1983. And I've become a huge MASH fan. I know those aren't sci-fi, 
But uh, I just wanted to mention those. Those were big favorites of mine in 1983. Also, they started the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, which I totally, totally loved. And I just got that on DVD, and I haven't had time to watch it yet. But I'm hoping it hold, holds up well, um, since it's uh, quite some years old. And uh, But I, what I really wanted to talk about was the V miniseries done by Kenneth Johnson. This was the first four-hour miniseries, premiered in 83. And then we had the six-hour miniseries, premiere in 84 and then we had a tv series that ran 19 episodes and this is the predecessor to the new v that's out on abc right now but i totally fell in love with this series this series uh you know besides star wars which really shaped me shaped my life into loving sci-fi fantasy this series did it for me for a tv show it really impacted my uh my love of sci-fi and fantasy and uh, it became very special to me. I, I used to run a, a, a V fan club that was done, you know, by snail mail. We didn't have email. We didn't have all these groups and fan places you can do online. This was, you know, once a week. Uh, I would send out little newsletters. I also be- belonged to a V role-playing game, and this was all handwritten. So you would handwrite your story, send it to the four or five people, and they would respond to it. It was very complicated. It's nothing like it is today with the internet. But uh, back in the day, this is how we did it. So they, were, they became like pen pals. So uh, V really impacted my middle childhood area. And um, it became very special to me. And it still is today. I can still watch the entire miniseries, the entire series, and still love every moment of it. And I know, yes, the series, some of it's kind of cheesy, but I still love every minute of it. I'm even enjoying this new this new version of it. The next thing I want to talk about are the movies that came out in 83. We saw A Christmas Story, which isn't technically sci-fi, but it's huge, has a huge cult following, and it's played like, you know, every Christmas I think they play it like 24 hours on some, on some ch- uh, channels. But that came out, and that was awesome. I'm a huge Jaws fan, and we had Jaws 3D, which is my favorite of all the, uh, well, not the first one. Uh, well, number two was good, too. Okay, I like one, two, and three. Let's just say that. But Jaws 3D, we had Superman 3, which I know people uh, bad-mouthed it a lot. But compared to four, I thought three was pretty good. Not as good as two, because two and one are the ultimate Superman movies. We had another huge favorite of mine, Kroll. And I know not a lot of people see this, have seen this movie. Or if they have, they think it's total cheese and horrible. It's one of those bad movies you like to watch. But I don't know. There was just something. It was a. It was a. It was based on fantasy, and they put that little twist in it. Coming, you know, the people coming from outer space. So kind of have like a sci-fi. But it was basically a fantasy movie, and I just ate it up. I loved every minute of it. It, it just, you know, it definitely not Lord of the Rings, but uh, for back in the day, it was really, really good. But of course, I want to talk about Return of the Jedi. That was probably the best movie of 1983. Uh, the best. Yeah, compared to V, like for my TV was V, this Return of the Jedi was it for my movie viewing. And I had, I've probably seen Return of the Jedi, well, I don't know, double digits at least, 10, 11 times in the theater when it was out. And I loved every minute of it. Like I had said previously, Star Wars is what made me fall in love with sci-fi fantasy. And uh, Empire Strikes Back is my ultimate favorite of the Star Wars movies. And Return of the Jedi was a great conclusion and it ended the story well. And I was extremely happy with it. And, you know, and I was, I was, you know, 12, 13 years old. So, I mean, I was the ideal age for that. I was collecting the action figures. I was collecting the baseball cards. I collected everything Star Wars. And it just really solidified my love for, for that, for that whole, uh, 
universe. So, uh, anyways, those are my quick thoughts on 1983. So, uh, take care, Rico, and I will talk to you later. Bye. Well, thanks very much for your comments, Kenny, on, on V especially, and, well, all, all of what you had to say. And he covered a few things, a few movies I'm going to be covering here shortly and talking about, too. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and you uh, talked about uh, the miniseries of V, and also uh, you mentioned the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon, which I actually didn't have on my list. I'm glad you reminded me of that. Uh, in it, it's a great series. I you, you definitely should watch it. I think it would hold up pretty well. I love that show because I was a big D and D fan, uh, player, everything, and uh, I eat it up. And uh, it wasn't really anything like the game or per se. I didn't think, but it, it had its own little storyline, and it, it had sort of a. When you watch it, you'll realize it has sort of a little bit of a Star Wars sort of overtone to it in a way. Uh, you'll know what I mean, especially uh, related to the bad guy and uh, the little dungeon master guy that, that helps the kids, you know, in their journey and adventures. So, yeah, great stuff. Thanks again, Kenny, for your comments. Got a couple other comments from others to play here during the rest of the show. A couple other uh, TV series that were going on in the year 1983 that I wanted to mention. Auto Man. You know, 1983, the, the, a lot of early computer technology and computer-related things uh, feature pretty prominently in, in both television and the movies of the year, and Auto Man was one of those. I, you know, I have only kind of distant memories of that, frankly. It was a short-lived series. Uh, another series with, uh, th that was a sort of a fantasy tale uh, with Jeff Conway in it uh, was called Wizards and Warriors. And listen to this short little clip from that show, which most people probably won't remember. I barely remember it, and I think I watched most of it. So here's Wizards and Warriors. Didn't make too much of an impression. Marco has been captured by Blackpool. Misfits, thieves, mercenaries, and worse. Well, one of us here is a killer. Will they help save Marco? We need you to help us get into a place that's only meant to get out of. Or deliver Greystone into Blackpool. Dungeon of Death. Suck a rotten egg, Dragon Breath. Yeah, that uh, with Jeff Conway, and uh, the bad guy was Duncan Rieger, I think is how you say his name. He used to do some bad guy roles in movies and TV back in that time frame. Uh, it, was a, it was a fun little show, kind of a, a fantasy Robin Hood kind of a tale, and, you know, with uh, sword fights. And, you know, I watched the clips, and I watched the preview for that uh, that trailer on YouTube, and I, and I see a current or a recent uh, series like Legend of the Seeker and what they do with the action and the sword play, and... 
boy, we've come a long way in, in, in the way things are uh, acted out. And it's, it, it's kind of interesting. You know, you kind of wonder how and why this, this goes this way. You know, it's certainly like they couldn't find people and train them in, in, in better sword fighting techniques and, and, and just the action that they do. And it, it's so much less intense back in those days in, in, in that show than it is in something like the TV show A Legend of the Seeker or even other fantasy shows. We've got uh, uh, the the Game of Thrones. Thrones Is that how you say it? Yeah. And uh, Camelot, a new TV series. And it's just it's just different. It's really interesting. And Merlin, the, the UK series that's been on the air for a few seasons now, uh, just... It, Things are just better, I guess. Eh, maybe better isn't the right word. They're, they just seem a little bit more realistic in, in terms of the way they portray the action and, and the quality of it. And I, I guess that's maybe a money thing, a tech, technical area, you know, in terms of filmmaking. You can do a lot more now with with uh, digital, uh, you know, digital equipment that they've got. I, I don't know exactly all the reasons, but just a little comment. And I think that's kind of why when people look back on, you know, things from, say, you know, 1983, that's 28 years ago about, um, and they'll say, wow, that just, that just doesn't hold up or it doesn't look right. And some of that's the technical aspects. And I always kind of think to myself and wonder in another 20, 25 years, 30 years, when they look back at current stuff, like the, say the Lord of the Rings movies and, and the, even the Star Wars movies and the prequels and a lot of stuff we've seen in the last few years, Star Trek from a couple of years ago, are they going to look back at those things and, and, and even the TV that we get now, like uh, V and the Cape and, and these other uh, shows, Fringe, are they going to say, wow, boy, I don't understand how these people could watch this stuff. It's so schlocky. And so, <laughs> will everything be like holographic and, and, and just virtually, you know, make you think you're really there in, in, in these future tales. I don't know. We'll see. But we're going to shift now over into movies, and I've got a, a good one to talk about first here that's sort of related to this topic to a degree. This is the, the first movie that I wanted to cover from 1983. is a real interesting one. Maybe a lot of you have not seen this, but it's well worth watching. It's called Brainstorm. And in the sci-fi element of this, it, let me give you a, a little bit of background on it. Uh, it uh, It's... It, Basically, it's a story about computer technology, but but that isn't like anything even that we have these days. The idea is that someone can put on this this big head, headgear kind of a thing that's plugged into a big computer, and it, rec- it can kind of record your what you're seeing, what you're thinking, what you're feeling in a way, and then someone else can put on a, a headgear thing, whatever, I don't even, headset, we'll just call it, and then they can then play this back and experience your you know, what you've experienced. Like there are examples in the movie where people are going on a roller coaster ride with the gear and then somebody else puts it on later after it's been recorded and then they experience the same thrill of going on a roller coaster but just sitting in a in a room in a chair. Which a lot of you know, think about technology and these headsets and three D things that they're trying to put out there and holographic imagery and, and all of this is pushing us more and more towards being able to feel like you're really wherever the movie tv show game is trying to take you so anyway here's a this is about a two and a half or or so minute trailer to the movie uh, brainstorm which uh, christopher walken is the main star natalie wood was in this movie i believe it was natalie wood's last movie before she died uh anyway here is brainstorm 
Suppose it were possible to transfer from one mind to another the experience of another person. Hey, there it is. Any person, any experience. I'm telling you, it works. Test, sound, taste. Everything, everything, 100%. In fact, better. Did you have a breakthrough or not? Yes. I'd like a demonstration. Knock my socks off. Um, military application. Wide open. Missile guidance, that kind of thing? They're going to be able to plug right into the old noodle. I made that for you. What is it? It's me. <laughs> You've blown communication as we've known it, right out of the water. You know that. Something happened to me, Dad. I'm more than I was, Mike. I'm scared. But the thing is, I like it. I want more. No, I can't authorize this. It's a chance to take a scientific look at the scariest thing a person ever has to face. This is not the research we're interested in. This is my project. I don't want to see it end up on some defense scrap heap before we know what it's really about. I want these personal experiments stopped. I told you I want to play it out. Nobody plays that tape. Arrested. They're on to us. Yeah, so there you have the, the trailer to Brainstorm, a real interesting movie, uh, very different, and, and I think it's done pretty seriously and, and pretty, uh, you know, believably, it, as much as anything like that can be. I really suggest uh, you check that movie out when you get a chance. Uh, very interesting tale. Another uh, movie from this era, from 1983, and this movie uh, is is you know, hugely famous. Everyone knows this movie. Probably everyone listening has seen this movie. Uh, but again, it's it's sort of computer technology related. And I think it's interesting, especially seeing the kind of computer technology they show you in this film now compared to what we have these days. And the movie I'm talking about is called War Games with Matthew Broderick, Ali Sheedy, and a bunch of other people, of course. Uh, this uh, would you like to play a game, or do you want to play a game? What is how does the line go? Anyway, this this that line in the movie that the computer uh, gives to Matthew Broderick's character has been used uh, forever. It, it, it's 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 like uh, you know a classic line. No, I am your father. I mean that kind of stuff. It is uh, a, a very very well known movie from 1983, and here is the trailer to War Games. David Lightman was a master at computer games. A fast thinker. Oh, David! Maybe you could tell us who first suggested the idea of reproduction without sex. Your wife? Get out, Lightman. 
find a promising student Hi. at an old game Hi. with an electronic twist. Are those your grades? Yeah. I don't think that I deserved it, F. Do you? You can go to jail for that. Only if you're over 18. This computer company is coming out with these amazing new games in a couple of months. And I want to play those games. Wow. What? We got something. He found the right code word to play the game. We're in. But it was the wrong computer. Shall we play a game? How can I ask you that? How about mobile thermal nuclear war? Fine. All right. <laughs> Their trajectory headings for multiple impact re-entry vehicles. How's that, man? I don't know, but it's great. All stations, this is Crystal Palace. I wonder if I should use my subs. 22 Typhoon-class submarines departing Petropavlov. What in the hell's happening here? Oh, my God. Shall we play? I have seven. Correction, eight. That's eight Redbirds. Get on the sack. Tell them to flush the bombers. Russians are still denying everything, sir. Who are you working with? Nobody. I do not believe you. Over day, we have Soviet missile warning. Based on your arrest, pending indictment for espionage. Espionage. Confidence is high. I repeat, confidence is high. Cobra Dane, is this an exercise? Negative, this is not an exercise. Me the president on the horn. It's still playing the game. It's gonna start a war. Close up the mouth. Is this a game or is it real? War games playing soon at a theater near you. Shall we play? Yeah, I love this movie a lot. I, I was probably in 1983, I was not into computers as much as I am these days. I really got into computers uh, when, I guess, in the era of about the 286s came out. So uh, very early 90s, about 1990 or so, I, I had my first computer then. Uh, but uh, I still always was into tech and technology and science fiction and things related to that. And the idea of this little high school kid, you know, connecting into this supercomputer that ran the, you know, the, these nuclear missiles and all this stuff. And he thinks he's just playing a game at first. And, and then, of course, he's not. And he, he's sort of this little smart alecky kind of a kid. And at that time, you know, that's that's a fun character and Matthew Broderick you know had I think was Ferris Bueller before or after this I think Ferris Bueller might have been I'll have to look that up during the next clip I play I think Ferris Bueller might have been after this movie but I'm not sure I'll have to check um, but uh, it's a great movie war games a little maybe dated looking now but but still fun and Ali Sheedy was great in it and uh, it, it's just uh, a very very classic film from 1983 that uh, if you've not seen it you should Definitely give it a look. Dabney Coleman, I think, is in that too, isn't he? Yeah. Next up on our list of films, this is, uh, well, I've got one I didn't manage to collect anything. There's a movie called Space Raiders. Uh, and this one, though, this one's a little bit, uh, the one next one I wanted to play for you, this one's a little lighthearted, but it's got some fantasy overtones to it. Uh, and I, I just have a real uh, soft spot for this movie in general, and I love the music in it. It is, the movie is called, uh, it's from 1983, of course. Why, I don't probably need to keep saying that. Uh, <laughs> all the movies for the rest of today's podcast are from 1983. Okay, there we go. 
But this movie is called Two of a Kind, and it starred uh, John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. John Travolta is one of a kind. Olivia Newton-John is one of a kind. Can you believe it? It took a twist of fate to make them two of a kind. You won't do anything you don't want to do. Of a kind rated PG now playing at a selected theater near you. Yeah, that movie is just a lot of fun. I, I really like seeing it. I love the music, like I said, and uh, it, it has a, a, it sort of involves God. Let's just put that out there, and there are other things going on. It's sort of like a, a second chance kind of a movie, and I, I just really like it a lot and i think if you've not seen it give it a a chance it looks like for some reason you can't get it on netflix though when i checked it out it came out at the end of 1983 in december uh it's only about 90 minutes long but it looks like you can buy the dvd on amazon so there we go with that and i think now we're going to take a little break from me talking and i'm going to slide in another bit of commentary from one of our listeners This is Peter or Brompton Boy from the forums and his comments about some of the genre things that he likes and and enjoys from the year 1983. So take it away, Pete. Hello, Rico. Hello, everyone in the Trex and Sci-Fi community. This is Pete from Philadelphia, also known as Brompton Boy on the Trex and Sci-Fi forum. Rico, I wanted to answer your call about meaningful sci-fi and fantasy releases from 1983. Uh, boy, there, there are so many. And uh, 1983 was a big year for me personally as I was wrapping up my active time in the Army and uh, going full-time to school, university, college. So uh, I was, I had uh, finally had some time to be able to go out and watch this sort of stuff. And uh, that year I took full advantage of it. Of course, the, the biggie for that year, right, was uh, Return of the Jedi. And uh, as you put up on the, the forum, Superman 2... Uh, V, the miniseries I didn't watch, but I'm going to kind of focus my comments on one film that I particularly liked that year, and that that would be Crawl. Crawl was, uh, for me, I was, uh, back then, I I loved hard sci-fi, but I also loved fantasy, and Crawl was sort of a, mostly fantasy, but a blending of both, and it had just some of my, my favorite actors later they went on to be my favorite actors, I should say. Liam Neeson is in there, a young Liam Neeson. Uh, it's, it's amazing to see him. Uh, Robbie Coltrane, right? I mean, he was uh, he was really he was really very good. Uh, and it's, you know, I I remember him from, of course, uh, Nuns on the Run. And uh, there's this great series called Cracker uh, in the UK that I really enjoyed, and I'd like to watch him in. And uh, of course, as Hagrid, and uh, later on became Hagrid, right? So uh, he has uh, some early roots in fantasy. And another face for me that was new at the time was uh, Alan Armstrong, another uh, UK actor that I that I like. I, you kind of see him in bit parts and a lot of different things. And I specifically remember him as one of the detectives from Scotland Yard and Patriots Game when they're hunting down some of the those uh, radical IRA members in uh, in Patriots Game. So he, uh, he he went on to have maybe not as big a career as Liam Neeson, but uh, a good one nevertheless. And Crawl was kind of a classic battle between good and evil, uh, where Colwyn married a princess, and he went off on his quest to find the magical glaive, which is kind of this magical nunchuck-type thing with blades popping out of it. 
that uh, that he could control. Uh, it was a lot of fun. They had a classic wizard in there who was very Gandalf-like or Dumbledore-like, whatever it is you want to uh, say. But a uh, great movie and a great musical score. One thing I found a bit comical about it were those... Uh, those lizard-like creatures that were the kind of the soldiers, the foot soldiers of the beast, and how slowly they would walk around and how awkward they were. And they reminded me very much of this show that I used to watch in my childhood called Land of the Lost, and I'm sure many people are familiar with that. They reminded me of the Slee Stack, who used to walk around very slowly and have these little tiny crossbows that would fire an arrow just a couple feet. Well, the, the beast minions were a little bit more deadly than that, but they, uh, that's what they reminded me of. Well, that's all I have for you today, Rico. Just, uh, again, just a brief comment. But uh, thanks again. Um, Happy New Year to everybody out there. And uh, I'll see you all in the forums. And remember, there is no sanctuary. Well, thank you very much, Peter, for your comments about uh, mostly about Krull and, and other things from 1983. Yeah, Krull, and I've talked about this movie quite a few times, I think, over the years on the podcast. Crawl is a big favorite of mine, and I will cover that one now, and I'll, I'll play you the uh, one of the trailers from it. It was directed by Peter Yates. It came out in July, July 29th in 1983. I definitely saw it uh, when it was first out at the theaters. Uh, I loved it. I uh, loved the fantasy blend and the sci-fi elements to it. Love the glaive, the the, the little weapon that uh, Colwyn has to find and, and use to defeat the beast. Uh, it's, it's one of my... Uh, biggest collectibles uh, 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 that I'm still searching on. There's the guys over on the Replica Prop Forum that have been working on creating their own little version of it since there's never been a licensed version of the Glaive. I I, I wish someone would do a a really good one with the blades that pop out and everything like that. Uh, Although bladed, well, you you can buy a lot of uh, swords and things, so it probably would be okay for them to to do that eventually, And, and they probably will. Uh, Columbia Pictures. Anyway, uh, it is directed by Peter Yates, who's a big-time director. Uh, we also have some other connections to other things besides Liam Neeson, of course, who starred in the in the, the first Star Wars prequel. We've got Ken Marshall as Colwyn, who, of course, later turns up in Deep Space Nine. Uh, you've got Freddie Jones. Yeah, I think he's the wizard type. Uh, you've got Lisette Anthony in there, who is... Uh, Lissa, who is the the queen that they're trying to save, uh, just just great stuff, uh, and it's just a fun movie to see. And you all should check out Crawl. So here is the trailer for that movie. On a distant planet, a great kingdom was ravaged by beings who came from the future to conquer the universe. survivors follow a doubtful seer and a throneless king. They will hold her in the Black Fortress. You must have help. Thieves, bandits, fighters and brawlers. Desperate men. Those are the kind of men I need. Well, you heard him. We are now an army. (laughs) At the end of an impossible journey, they must fight an invincible enemy. Here's the knowledge you seek. I shall be your king. In the fortress, you will face more than the slayers. What is about to happen to them could never have happened on Earth. 
Columbia Pictures presents a world apart from anything you have seen before. Crow. One other uh, Crawl-related connection, and it was... This would probably be one of the things that disturbed me a little bit about the movie. Uh, both, I guess, maybe in a good and a bad way is the soundtrack. Uh, as, as Pete mentioned, uh, the music is great in this movie. It's by James Horner, who did this, the, the soundtrack to Star Trek uh, to The Wrath of Khan. But the problem is, is that this movie uses that. James Horner, the music that he wrote for this, and I don't know if he had... The, the, I don't know the whole background and story. We need our, our resident music ex, expert uh, on this, Vartok. But uh, anyway, uh, it's almost like he just re-released the, the Star Trek Wrath of Khan soundtrack for, for Crawl. I mean, there are differences, but there is a lot of sequences in Crawl that the music is just like Trek <laughs> from from Wrath of Khan. So I love the music. I love that music anyway, but it, it's a little weird to see these flying horses and stuff. And, and you're used to seeing the Enterprise flying in space, and he's using it as a background music for flying horses. But uh, Krull, it, it, it's definitely one of my favorites from this year, and I love love that movie. Never never get tired of uh, of watching it, and it, it's it's a great great thing to see. Next up, let's cover Superman, Superman three, and I know I've done a, a Superman podcast. I've talked about the you know my love for the character and for the films. Uh, quite a few times, I enjoy Smallville, which everyone should be watching. It's 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 really having a great last season. Uh, but Superman three, and like I think had Kenny had mentioned earlier, it always gets a little bit of a bad rep. And I, I agree, it's not nowhere near the the caliber and the story and everything of the first two Superman movies. But a couple of things that I really love about this movie, the biggest probably being the fact of this this um, this weird mineral rock element that uh, the Richard Pryor character I think sort of accidentally creates that it ends up causing Superman to sort of become uh, sort of bad Superman or we'll call him the mirror universe Superman (laughs) where he basically doesn't care he doesn't go save people anymore he kind of goofs around uh, and and he's you know he's in a bar and is even the Superman suit I love how they made it all dingy looking in this movie when he when he's sort of the evil bad Superman and he and and that is a cool idea I think that that uh, they've done it a little bit with uh, kryptonite types on Smallville as well uh, especially red kryptonite but you know it's fun it and, and Christopher Reeve of course like Christopher Reeve does such a great job here, even even with the material that they gave him to, to work with. And I love the the part of the movie where he's sort of having to fight his evil uh, doppelganger self uh, in the junkyard kind of scene. Uh, that's great. It's like you know he's he's wrestling with this inner demon, and I think that it's got a you know pretty cool little thing. And Richard Pryor, basically, the, you know he was very very popular at the time in that era and. So they said, hey, well, let's put him in a Superman movie. And he's not really quite a bad guy. We've got Robert Vaughn in the movie, too. But Richard Pryor is just sort of this, you know, in there for comedy and other things. They they kind of shoved Margot Kidder out in this movie a little bit. She's only in here, like, for three seconds or something. And they brought in Annette O'Toole as Lana Lang when uh, Clark goes back to Smallville for, like, a reunion. And uh, she does a good job. I, I, I always liked Annette O'Toole, and I like her as Mrs. Kent in the Smallville TV series series. Anyway, here is a trailer to Superman 3.
when it's time for adventure. It's time for Superman. Alexander Salkine presents Christopher Reeve and Richard Pryor in Superman 3. This time, Richard Pryor has come to Metropolis. Oh, I'm sorry. And he's got something to sell. <laughs> he's the best con man and the world's greatest computer genius. Let me tell you something. I can't ski. But then he falls. For a scheme to turn the ultimate computer into the ultimate weapon. Well, what would it do for me? It would do anything you tell me to tell it to do. A machine so powerful. Baby! It's daddy! It can control the earth. down the business. Change the weather. Now You're a genius. And reprogram Superman. But you never get here. Well, I hope you don't expect me to save you, because I don't do that anymore. He didn't die. Ask you to kill Superman, and you're telling me you couldn't even do that one simple thing. Ah! Oh. All right, Webster, the game's over. But only the man who pulled the switch on Superman. Oh, uh, see, I'm not with them, Superman. Gonna fool me, Mister. Can pull the plug on Super Machine. You're going to go down in history as the man who killed Superman. Um, no. Thank you, bro. Superman 3. Uh, watch the tree. This time is going to be the best time of all. Yeah, in the movie, it didn't do that badly, but it didn't do anywhere near the the business of the first two Superman movies. So we got it was a bit of a lag before we got the final Christopher Reeve uh, Superman film, uh, Superman Four: Quest for Peace, uh, came several years later. I want to list off. I've got a few other movies to to cover still, or at least one big one still. Obviously, Jedi to cover. But a couple other movies from this year: Metal Storm, The Destruction of Jared Sin. I only have distant memories of this space raiders i think i may have mentioned space hunter adventures in the forbidden zone uh peter somebody or the other who 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 was in that movie oh molly ringwald i think and uh peter strauss yeah that's who it was uh that's an interesting movie kind of done on a low budget but not not too bad uh strange invaders that was another movie from that era we have the twilight zone the movie uh which uh was is a Pretty cool movie, actually. Had a little tragedy on the set when uh, I think it was Vic Morrow died, I think, uh, during that movie, uh, filming it. Uh, anyway, uh, a couple other things. The Man Who Wasn't There, I think that was with Chevy Chase, wasn't it? Um, 
But yeah, lots of stuff, just a ton of things from 1983 uh, that were cool to see. Not, uh, I don't think anywhere near the level that we get these days. I mean, gosh, next summer we're going to just be, it's going to be huge for, for films. Actually, the, the most recent Entertainment Weekly magazine that I got uh, lists off all the coming movies in 2011, you know, most of them, most next summer, but other, other ones scattered throughout the year. I mean, we've got a couple of comic book movies, Captain America and Thor, the next Transformers film, the next Pirates movie. Uh, just just a ton of stuff to see. So, and, and obviously the last Harry Potter film in July. Just just great stuff next year. Uh, but uh, let's finish off 1983 here with uh, the obviously the big movie of the year and the movie that uh, you know when anyone says 1983, you know I think okay that's the year I got married and saw Return of the Jedi. Uh, this movie, of course, again we had to wait three long years for those that were around at that time. <laughs> between The Empire Strikes Back and the huge cliffhanger of an ending in that movie, you know. You know, Vader says he's Luke's father, and it's like, oh, no, no. And I've said this, I think, on the podcast, too, before. I I, I just had a hard time with that. I I never really bought it. And and when I saw Jedi, and I go, oh, gosh, he is your father. And it it almost is sort of a little anticlimactic. But the movie wrapped things up really well. It's it's not... um, it's not my favorite of, of the Star Wars uh, original trilogy. I, I'd say it's probably the last of the three. I think I'm, you know, it would probably be Empire and then the first Star Wars and New Hope and then Jedi for me. But but not like it's really down there. You know, it's not. You know, when you order things like that, it's not like I I don't like it at all. No, it's uh, it's a great movie. Lots of cool parts. You know, the 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 part where you know Luke goes into to rescue Han and and. You know, you think he's going to get thrown in that pit, and he signals R2, and he gets his lightsaber. You know, basically, he's, like, pushing Jabba, and he's like, okay, you know, he's trying to be very Jedi-like and diplomatic. And and then, you know, why doesn't he just go in there and, you know, go with uh, lightsaber blazing and, and, you know, make Jabba pie out of him? <laughs> I don't know, Jabba pie. What would that be like? But he doesn't. You know, he, he's very calm. He you, you see that he has become a Jedi. He, you know, he, he comes in there very, very calmly, tries to get Han back, and when he's pushed to the limit where they're going to kill him, well, it's okay, now I can fight back. <laughs> By the way, I, a little quick aside note here, The Clone Wars, the last couple episodes, fantastic. The, the Clone Wars is back. Uh, we're, we're, we're past all the banking junk and <laughs> making more clones or not making more clones and, you know, poison food supplies and, 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 and war taxes and all that jazz. Lots of Asajj Ventress and Dooku and, and these Night Sisters. Oh, it's, it's great. Make sure you're tuning in. If you didn't know, it's back on. And I believe you can watch those just over at StarWars.com. You can just watch them online. So that's cool, too. Uh, but Return of the Jedi. Let's play the trailer, and I'll come back and talk a little bit more about this fantastic movie, the last of the great Star Wars films, even though the prequels are okay. Yeah, you know, they don't make them like this anymore. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the next chapter in the Star Wars saga, Return of the Jedi. The battle between good and evil rages on. Join the further adventures of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Lando Calrissian, 
Chewbacca, C-3PO and R2-D2, and Darth Vader. A journey to alien worlds. It's a trap. A rebellion against oppression. An epic of heroes and villains. An adventure as vast as the universe. Return of the Jedi. Coming to a selected theater in your galaxy. Ah, Jedi. Great thing. Of course, that one of the big things about Re- Return of the Jedi was that it was originally called Revenge of the Jedi, and then Lucas, uh, rightly so, changed that because he realized the Jedi would not be out for revenge, and it d- doesn't work. And then, of course, he later on uses the Revenge title and Revenge of the Sith, so it sort of comes full circle. Yeah, this movie, uh, very, very special to me. I, I actually went to see, uh, we got married uh, in June in 1983, and I, I clearly remember just because I thought it would be a great day overall because we were getting married pretty late in the evening. I think the wedding was at 7 o'clock. I should remember that, right? <laughs> but uh, so I decided to go. I'm going to go see uh, Return of the Jedi in the afternoon and then get married that evening. So that's what I did. I think I even went alone, too, which is kind of sad. But uh, <laughs> you can't see the bride before the wedding. Come on. You can't do that. Uh, so I couldn't take Lynn, although we had already gone to see it previously since that was, uh, you know, it came out at the end of May in 83. But uh, anyway, love this movie, and uh, it, it's always great to see and, and so cool and, and just uh, fantastic end, really, to the original trilogy. It really wrapped things up pretty pretty well, and, uh, you know, you, you were left without anything really hanging, and, I, you know, the Empire was basically supposed to be done in, the Emperor was gone. Uh, you know, it, they do destroy the second Death Star, but, you know, you got to believe there's a lot of other Star Destroyers and Stormtroopers out there. I guess they just decide to go, well, without the Emperor around, what are we fighting for? So you, you sort of figure that that's the case, although by that point, I think the rebellions and their, and, their, and their ships and everything they had left was pretty wiped out. So probably a couple of Star Destroyers could have taken them out at that point if they wanted to and taken over. And they've kind of, you know, delved into some of those aspects and things in the books and the expanded universe in Star Wars over the years in the books that they've come out with. And I, I think that's pretty interesting, especially when Timothy Zahn came out with the um, the Heir to the Empire uh, books after, uh, uh, what was that, early 90s, I think those were came first came out. So anyway, Return of the Jedi, fantastic film, love it. Uh, next up, I'm going to play a uh, one more listener comment for this uh, retro kind of podcast. Anyway, here's our buddy Rick Pete, who's done a couple of co-podcasts with me, and his thoughts on the year 1983. Hi, Rico. This is Rick Pete, our Pete on the forums, and I thought I would send in a little uh, audio on my thoughts around movies that were uh, shown and released in 1983. There were about 46 different films shown during that time, and I think there are about... Uh, about 25% of those were sci-fi, fantasy, genre films. So I thought I would talk about a couple of those that I enjoyed. One I really enjoyed was War Games, which is not really sci-fi, but it's sort of high-tech, and so I kind of throw that in there. 
that was a really enjoyable movie, although obviously the tech was a little far-fetched with the Whopper computer and everything. Uh, but uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a, a fun movie to watch where the geek guy actually gets the girl and saves the day at the same time. So you got to like those movies. Then, of course, there was Star Wars Return of the Jedi, which I'm sure everybody who's going to send comments in are going to talk about, and I'm sure you're going to talk about that at length. So I'm not going to, just to say that I really enjoyed it and uh, was a fitting end to the uh, trilogy, and I watch it on a regular basis. (laughs) A TV movie that I'm not sure too many people may talk about was something called Starflight. Again, it wasn't necessarily science fiction, but it was talking about a supersonic aircraft that we do not have today. Um, Lee Majors was the star of that movie. And uh, one of the other uh, actors in the movie was Robert England from Freddy Krueger fame, uh, who was also in that movie. Starflight was a movie about a supersonic flight that on its maiden voyage sustained some damage. And instead of making its parabolic flight, it actually ended up into low orbit and then couldn't re-enter because it didn't have any tiles to protect it from the heat of re-entry. So they had to figure out how to deal with that. Yeah, it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. For me, I think the biggest thing other than Star Wars in 1983 was the V miniseries, which I remember being glued to when I was living in D.C. and just couldn't wait to get home to watch this movie. There were lots of stars in that in that show. Um, it was a show about visitors from another planet who came under the guise of peace and who looked like us, but we find out later are not like us, that they're reptilian and that their aim is to actually consume the planet's natural resources, which includes the humans they were processing and storing for food. That show was revived last year. I'm enjoying the new uh, the new reboot of the series. But the original series was just great. It was just thrilling to watch it. And it launched a lot of interesting careers in sci-fi. Uh, Richard Hurd, who was the who was the commander of the uh, of the invasion force, he actually ended up being an admiral on Star Trek Voyager, Admiral Paris. He was in a few episodes of Quantum Leap. He was in TNG episode, and he was another admiral in Sequest 2032. Michael Ironside, who was the big bad mercenary guy supplying the resistance with weapons and technical knowledge, he's been in a lot of things. He was in Terminator Salvation, he's been in Smallville, he's played Darkseid in the Justice League. Um, he was also the captain of the Sequest in Sequest 2032, playing along with Richard Hurd in that uh, ep- in that series. He's been on Stargate, Andromeda, Starship Troopers, we all recall, and he's been in, he was in Top Re- he was in Total Recall, and he was Jester in one of my favorite movies, Top Gun. Great actor. Uh, another actor, Lane Smith, played in that series as sort of a businessman who cut a deal with the visitors for the city of Los Angeles. He was in, he was Perry White in the Lois and Clark Superman uh, spinoff, which was great. And he also played some other guy in uh, Alien Nation, which was another series that was out in the 90s that I really enjoyed. And Robert England, who was in Starflight, 
also played a visitor in the original miniseries, a visitor-turned-friend of the Resistance. And we know Robert again from Freddy Krueger. He's also been on Chuck, and he's done a lot of cartoon stuff. He was a... He did voices in Batman, Spider-Man, in the Justice League. So he's been quite involved in in sort of the comic genre. And then lastly, Jeff Yeager, um, who was in the spin-off television series of V, um, as sort of the young heartthrob kind of guy who was sort of dating the star child or girl, Elizabeth. He was also in uh, Star Trek Voyager for several episodes. So... When you look at uh, what uh, the V miniseries has done for science fiction genre, it has produced quite a few stars as time has gone on. The only other, the only other movie that I was going to mention was uh, Superman 3, which uh, starred Richard Pryor and had the dubious distinction of being the, episode, the movie where the supercomputer was able to take on Superman. This was, out of all the Superman movies, the one I liked the least. It was it was during a time when Richard Pryor was in pretty much every movie they can think of, and they decided to put him in a Superman movie as a computer genius. And while I liked Richard Pryor, I just did not like this particular movie. It was just, just way out there, and it was so far beyond the mythos that it was, it was easily a forgettable movie, for, at least for me. So anyway, Rico, I'm glad you're covering uh, the movies in 1983. I'm sure you'll cover some other cool things like Brainstorm, which was a great movie with uh, Christopher Walken and Natalie Wood, um, where they take the idea of being able to record the brainwaves to such a degree that you can play them back into someone else's brain and they would learn and recall and experience everything that the other person had recorded, which would which was an interesting concept. They kind of took it to a weird, bizarre ending with this person dying from a heart heart attack and then being able to actually watch them go into what appeared to be heaven or what have you. That was a little far-fetched, but I thought the movie itself was a pretty cool idea. Anyway, back to you, Rico. Well, thanks for your comments, Richard, Mr. Pete. Uh, thanks for your very uh, interesting stuff on V and other things in Superman 3 that you talked about and it's in war games and i know you're a big tech guy and uh, i knew that would be an appeal for you there's a bunch of other stuff that i could have covered i think this is going to wrap it up pretty well though for tv and movies uh for the year 1983 Uh, there is there is a lot of other interesting things that came out in that year too besides you know sci-fi and fantasy stuff Uh, i think the first vacation movie came out then uh just you know, and and I think Kenny mentioned the Christmas Story, which I'm a big, big fan of. That love that movie. Uh, and just, it's a great year. Lots of cool stuff happened in it, and I think uh, it's uh, well worth looking back. And uh, you know, if there's a lot of these things that you haven't seen before, check it out. Uh, most of this stuff you could see via Netflix uh, or other places online, uh, and it's it's well worth checking most of what I've talked about out, if not all of it, if you've not seen it. So. That is uh, about it. I think I'm just going to wrap things out to, right now uh, for the podcast this week. Try to keep it tight as much as I can, usually. <laughs> Next week, we're going to be looking at TNG episode, A Fistful of Data. So if you want to get in some comments on that, send them in any time. doesn't have to be, you know, 10 minutes before I record on Sunday. Really, it doesn't. You know, you can send them in right now. I will save them, really. <laughs> and I don't know if I thanked Rob, by the way, at the beginning. He did uh, the little clip I played at the beginning of today's podcast. Uh, he's sent in other clips before, and uh, so thanks again for that. 
in in probably two weeks, the end of this month, as a little shout out here, I might need a guest podcast for that weekend. Uh, probably will. Probably will be going home that weekend. So I thought I would just throw that out here on the podcast. A uh, couple last things. Uh, you can always email me, treksf at gmail.com, for comments and anything else you want to talk about. Uh, that's how to reach me. You can also check out the treksinsci-fi.com website. And forums, please join the forums there. And uh, as I've said before, if you join the forum and you, you will be getting an email back that you have to confirm you're joining the forum, I've got like 50 people waiting in the queue for that that, uh, that I have not gotten their confirmation back. So I think about 49, maybe 48 of those are junk, so I don't expect them. But make sure you check your spam folder for that. Sometimes that's the way it ends up going. So there's donation links on the website. Those are always helpful. If you got a you know five bucks burning a hole in your pocket, send it my way. I will definitely use it for the show. And, uh, oh, I've been getting some new Star Trek music uh, from a few different sites that I've found and uh, some very obscure stuff. So I think I'm going to end the podcast with one of those tracks today and finish this off. So anyway, have a a great week. I think my voice sounds a little scraggly today for some reason. Is that a word, scraggly? Wasn't there a show called Scraggle Rock? Oh, no, that was Fraggle Rock. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone, take care. Hope you enjoyed today's show. I will talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. This has been a Rick Dusty podcast production. 